Well, on the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we're going to talk about the book of Revelation. We are. We're hearing a lot about Revelation these days. And a lot of people are wondering, what we're seeing in the world today, is it fulfillment of the book of Revelation in our lifetimes? We want to address that question tonight. All right. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Thursday, December 9th, 2021 Virtual Bible Study. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. It's good to have you back. Uh, You've been gone for several weeks here. We, We think maybe we have to reprogram you on how to Push the buttons I'm a little on the bit control rusty. board there. I'm a little bit rusty. Yeah. I think that's Kyle over there, if I remember correctly. Is that yeah, you, Kyle? Yeah. It's good to have you back. Yeah, glad to be here. And uh, glad that you're joining us on the other end of the line tonight. We want to hear from you at 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. You're watching us live. Sign in with other listeners and uh, and comment in the chat room tonight. The phone line is open tonight, and we want to hear from you on the phone 931-381-4567. Lots of benefits to listening live. Most of our listeners listen in the recorded version, but the live version allows you to comment real time. But we'll take your comments anytime. Yeah. Uh, before we get to our topic to- tonight, Jacob, I want to start promoting our Bible reading calendar. We we have yeah. prepared our annual Bible reading calendar. I think we've been doing this for 17 or 18 years now. And we have the... 2022 version prepared and we've actually printed some initial copies of that and we will beginning at the new year we will have it on our website collegeview.com where you can actually access it online but right now if you'd like to get a hard copy of it if you'll just send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and say uh, i'd love to get a copy of that daily bible reading calendar give us your u.s mail snail mail address and we'll get one out in the mail. How too. much is that going to cost me? Shipping and handling included. It's all free. All free. Yeah. All right. You got a bumper sticker you could throw in there with we it? We could even throw in a bumper sticker. Wow. You can't find that deal in That's a deal like you can't say no to. All right. All yeah. right. So send an email, questions at collegeview.com. Say, give me the calendar. Yeah. Please. You don't want to use some manners. Say, please. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So our topic tonight, we send out this topic to our email list. We remind you to get on our list. If you're not, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. So just say, put me on the list. Please. Well, please. Yeah, that might be good. We'll try to be polite. But uh, we are hearing, Jacob, I know you have heard and I have heard several people asking about Revelation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we, I would argue that these are relatively tumultuous times. There's a lot of go- There's a lot going on. Uh, there's some different things going on than what we're used to in our lifetimes. Right. And so it has led some people to wonder, could we be seeing the book of Revelation playing out in our lifetimes? You probably hear it as I do on a fairly regular basis. I believe these are the end times yeah. or the time is getting near. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are pointing to the book of Revelation 
um, and uh, and wanting to draw those conclusions. Yeah, uh, and so uh, we decided we'd talk about that tonight, specifically asking, are, are we seeing the fulfillment of things mentioned in the book of Revelation? So we sent out to our update list, we sent out these questions. First of all, to whom was the book of Revelation addressed? Would these people to whom the book is addressed have gained anything from a book describing events happening in 2021? Are our times comparable to or worse than other tumultuous times in history? Number two, what were the circumstances of the people to whom the book was addressed? With their circumstances in mind, what was the intended purpose of the book? Number three, what does the book of Revelation identify as the time frame of events under consideration? And so that's critical because our question follow-up to that is, have the prophecies of Revelation been fulfilled? Is there anything left that has not yet been fulfilled? Number four, how would you describe the style of writing found in the book? With that, interpret, uh, what interpretive precautions are in order based upon this style of writing? And finally, is there any benefit in studying the book of Revelation today? Is there any message in it for us? All right. So if we cover all that, I think we'll be doing well. But I do think it's important uh, because historically, not just not just now, not just at this moment, but really throughout the centuries, people have been misusing statements found in the book of Revelation, twisting them, coming up with almost unimaginable interpretations, uh, building whole a whole system of doctrines, basically, based upon some of the things mentioned in the book of Revelation, we think misinterpreted on their part. A lot of them focused on political developments uh, throughout the years. You know, there's oh, this this political development means this. This is about to happen because they did this in Washington or whatever. Um, and uh, we need to know what the scriptures teach. Is that uh, even a possibility? Could we even, is it even possible that some of the things that are happening today are mentioned in uh, the various scriptural references that are being made? Yeah. So let's do, I think the first question is a, a great place, a necessary place to start. To whom was the book of Revelation addressed? You know, in any communication, it's important to know who is speaking and to whom they are speaking. In fact, if that's not understood, communications goes completely awry. Uh, you know, if, 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 if your wife, Jacob, overheard you say to one of the kids, Get in your room and clean up that mess and don't come out until everything is in its place spick and span. Well, if it was understood that you were speaking to one of the kids, that'd be okay. But if your wife thought you were talking to her, that might cause a little more consternation. So, again, the idea is who's speaking and to whom are they speaking? Now, you're starting out at a very fundamental place, and I think that's very important because – there are, there are a lot of things in the book of Revelation that are difficult to understand. But we can lay some groundwork, and we can put some bookends on this book of Revelation to help us understand some of the hard parts yeah. and put them into reference. And this is one of the basic fundamental foundational things that we have to understand to, at the start of the book. Don't dive in the middle and get in, what's, what's it talking about with the thrones? What's 666? What's what? Yeah, what's the beast? What's the bottomless pit? What's all that? Let's put the foundation in place so we can build on that and understand what's going on. Yeah, exactly right. And I would be willing to make this statement right up front. I believe that there is a very certain probability. It's not even a probability. It's a certainty that 
there are some of the signs and symbols in the book of Revelation that we will never be able to say with absolute certainty that's what that means. Uh, I don't know that it was ever intended that we would be able to do that. I don't think it's necessary for us to be able to understand every sign and symbol in the book of Revelation in order to get the meaning that the Lord wants us to take away from the book. But again, if I set those foundations up and I set up those those fence posts or those bookends, yeah. and I come up with an interpretation that's out, out of bounds, I yeah. say, no, that doesn't fit with the foundation that's clear that I yeah. can understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. So, to whom was the book of Revelation addressed? We don't have to guess about that. Right. Uh, Revelation, uh, and, and if you're listening tonight and you always want to take a couple of notes, just just add these references in response to the questions we ask. To whom was the book of Revelation addressed? Chapter 1, verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you. Then, in the same chapter, skip it down to verse 11, John was told... Quote, what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. So this was, this was a message initially addressed to Christians in the churches that were in the area identified as Asia. We sometimes, when we're doing Bible study, we refer to that as Asia Minor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know today is the modern day country of Turkey. That's what it was called then. Everybody knows that. That's not. We're not. We're not saying anything that's uh, you know inconceivable. That's what that region was called in its time, and 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 we know that these cities existed in that geographical region, and there were churches there. We know somewhat about the churches. Uh, for instance, Paul. Uh, worked for over three years in Ephesus. We know a good bit about Ephesus. We know a whole epistle was addressed to the church at Ephesus. Uh, uh, the church at Laodicea is mentioned elsewhere in the scripture. So these were real churches existing in that geographical area. And this book of Revelation was a message addressed to those Literal churches. They were, they were figurative churches. They were real, literal churches in a real geographical location. So the book starts, chapter 1, verse 4 and 11, identifying the audience. And then at the very end of the book, Revelation twenty-two sixteen, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. So it was a message, and you already suggested that as sort of bookends, both at the start and the end of the book. It's to these churches. This is a message to these churches. Uh, so the follow-up question I ask about that is, would these people have gained anything from a book describing events happening in 2021? So we're talking about, some, we're talking about almost 2,000 years ago. And so if if the book was written to describe political or geopolitical uh, events uh, in 2021, what what benefit would those Christians have gained from? What would they even have, what sense would they have made of it? What advantage would they have gained from having received information about what's happening in the United States in 2021? Yeah. I think nothing. And 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 so you have to you have to think well that that maybe gives me a key to understanding the book. If if 
if I'm saying that the book is talking about Russia, China, United States, and the coronavirus pandemic election fraud and the election fraud of the previous presidential election and what would that have meant to somebody in Sardis? Yeah. What would that have meant to somebody in Ephesus or Laodicea? It wouldn't have meant anything at all. They wouldn't yeah. have gotten anything out of that. Yeah, yeah. I've got I got big issues at hand here. Why do I need to read about what's happened in two thousand years yeah, from I, now? I got my hands full right now. I'll yeah. let those people two thousand years from yeah. now deal yeah. with that. Is that supposed to comfort me or yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, what's interesting is anytime there's sort of a a, a sort of an upheaval, a crisis situations. People want to rush to the book of Revelation and, and try to identify. I don't know if people today remember, uh, but back in the early 90s when the first Gulf War broke out, uh, oh, man, people were sure that it was the book of Revelation coming to pass. The Battle of Armageddon was about to be fought. I mean, it, it, you know, well, of course it wasn't. It, it, actually, in the in the annals of military history, the first Gulf War was a fairly minor skirmish I'm, yep. I'm not downplaying anybody who may have been killed or injured in those in those military exchanges but I'm just, in the big picture thing that was a fairly minor military exercise but people were sure it was the book of revelation unfolding well of course it wasn't but now they've moved on never mind that they missed that Interpretation completely. Yeah. Now they're trying to make a, the same interpretation about events happening. And everybody who was on that bandwagon and was wrong, they should not be taken with any credibility now. Right. If they were enlightened, if they were a modern-day prophet, if they missed it, you can disregard anything they say. They were, yeah. They're not right. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so, uh, again, I think that what you want to do when you're reading the book of Revelation is sort of I've, I've suggested this in teaching about it before. Sort of put on your first century reading glasses. Read it as though you were a Christian in one of those first century churches that's mentioned there. Sardis, Philadelphia, Smyrna, and so forth. What would they have taken away upon reading this message? What would they have understood about it? I think that really helps. Now, here the, the other follow-up question that I had there on number one is, are our times comparable to or worse than other tumultuous times in history? You know, I got to think it's really not. I mean, we, I, a lot of us are really concerned about the things we see happening in the world and in our country today. But do you really think it's worse than it was when World War One or World War Two broke hey, out? They're making me wear a mask when I go into public places. It's bad. Do you think it's worse than the French Revolution? It's bad. They're, they're taking my temperature. Do you think to... it's worse than the U.S. Civil War? Yeah. You know, so uh, you know, uh, it's easy for us to get all focused in on what's hap- immediately happening. But when you stop to think about it, even in the face of all the concerns that we have, the things going on today don't hold a candle to events that have happened in history. You know, and so for us to imagine, well, this is what Revelation is talking about. You mean it wasn't talking about it when the U.S. Civil War broke out? You mean it wasn't talking about it when the French Revolution broke out? The bubonic mean, plague. The bubonic plague, the Dark Ages, uh, World War One, World War Two. You don't think, now that stuff's minor compared to what I'm dealing with today. That, 
that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, the devil would like you to think that. The yeah. devil would like you to think you got it worse than anybody else. Get yeah. you discouraged, get you down, get you maybe believing some things that you shouldn't believe according to what the scriptures teach. Uh, we'll talk about that as we go on. We've got to get our listeners' feedback as well. Time for you to jump in the chat room or give us a call. 931-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study is back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Here's a quick thought. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. John 15, verse 2. Are you bearing fruit? This reminds us that the branches that are connected to the true vine are pruned and expected to bear fruit. What fruit will you bear for the Lord today? Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. When you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program talking about the book of Revelation tonight, trying to get our hands around what the book is about, uh, who it was addressed to. And you asked the question, who was it addressed to? Uh, Jim in uh, Kentucky says the book was addressed to the seven churches of Asia, Revelation 14, later identified in chapters, I think that's Revelation 1, verse 4, later identified in chapters 2 and 3 as Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Real places, real people. Yeah, absolutely. They were going through real challenges. Kent says the book, uh, in, uh, Kent's from Calhoun, Georgia, was through there just a few days ago. The book of Revelation was addressed to the seven churches of Asia. There would have been, would have been nothing to gain if the events that are addressed in this book described, uh, described dealt with uh, what would occur in 2021? We do live in troublesome times in understanding historical events that which is taking place in our day is really no worse than that which happened in past history. What happens today is communicated more rapidly due to current technology and more rapid means of communication in addition to the world having a larger population of people presently living. I think that I think Kent has hit upon something. You know, we do get the news. We've got the 24-hour news cycle going on. And those people on the cable news networks, they got to have something to talk about. And so they're talking about this all the time. We're just yammering in our ear all the time about this and that and the other. And it just keeps people stirred well, up. Well, they got to do that to sell ads. And yeah. then, But you think about it. A guy can, can sneeze in China, and we hear about it. And almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, you, th- think about how long it would have taken for the pandemic to, to, for you even to hear about a pandemic. I, mean, I would think there would be people here in Middle Tennessee who may have not heard about a pandemic for years, about 100 years ago. Yeah, I think I mean, it, it could have been go- it could have been raging in Nashville, and you probably wouldn't have heard about it much yeah, down here. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I, I mean, we we have talked about the 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 big flu uh, outbreak in. 20, or, uh, 1918, the Spanish flu outbreak. And it was real bad in Nashville, even, for instance. But I wonder how much people in rural areas of Middle Tennessee were even hearing about that. Yeah, so that makes it worse. And the news media is playing up to that because they like to have you worked up in a lather, Kyle, because then you'll tune in tomorrow night to learn more bad yeah. news. They may have heard about it, but like, well, I don't go to Nashville anyway, so I guess they can just yeah. keep it up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, uh, Dwight mentions uh, uh, correctly. So the, the, it was 
the letter, the book of Revelation was written to the seven churches of Asia. Ken, a guest in the chat room, asked, what are your thoughts on, quote, Vision of the Ages, a book by B.W. Johnson? I, I think I'm vaguely familiar with that, but I don't, I've not read it, and I, I wouldn't even be able to knowledgeably comment on that. All right. And then um, uh, Jim says it would be hard to believe that people 2,000 years ago would have been helped by prophecies not readily f- to be fulfilled, not ready to be fulfilled in their time, unless it, unless it was the knowledge that God was the one in control at all times. And he says our times are in no way comparable to their times. We have freedoms they did not know existed. We're not forced out of our homes. We can worship in freedom. And as yet, we do not fear for our lives, although obviously such freedoms do not exist everywhere in the world. Exactly right. Okay. All right. All right. So I think that's, as you mentioned, Jacob, I think that's a necessary start. A necessary starting point to our considerations about the book of Revelation. Just take it at face value. To whom was it addressed? The follow-up question was, what circumstances, what were the circumstances of the people to whom the book was addressed? And with those circumstances in mind, what was the intended purpose of the book? Well, these people to whom the book of Revelation was written, they were really suffering. They were in a period of harsh persecution in revelation chapter 2 verse 10 the lord says fear not of those things which thou shalt suffer behold the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and ye shall have tribulation 10 days be thou faithful unto death and i will give thee a crown of life so obviously they were dealing with some harsh persecutions but even in that statement one of the purposes of the book is revealed the lord knew that they were in the midst of such persecution. Mm-hmm. He even suggests that it was that even though it was bad, it probably was going to get worse, but it wasn't going to last forever. Here's a bit of figurative language. We'll talk more about that as we get into our study. Notice you shall have tribulation for 10 days. The Lord said, I don't think anybody imagined that meant 10 literal days. They, they didn't get their calendar they, out and start marking them off. Huh? Well, they wouldn't even have gotten this book before the 10 days was over. They wouldn't <laughs> even have got the, the letter before yeah. the 10 days was yeah. over. That's a figurative expression, meaning this is not going to last forever. It's going to be relatively short in duration. It's bad. The Lord knows it is bad. Revelation 6, verse 9. I saw on the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. Obviously, some had actually been put to death, had died. For the cause. Revelation 7, verse 14. These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, that terminology, tribulation, great tribulation, that kind of termina- uh, uh, terminology denotes the kind of struggle that they were in. They were, they were really suffering. We, those of us uh, living in modern day America don't know a thing about what they were called upon to endure. I'm not saying that that's so every place in the world. I, we know that there are some places in the world that are really struggling. Christians are even under persecutions at, at this moment. We understand it. Not us. We live in a place of freedom and, and liberty. Uh, and, and it's really hard for us to even imagine what they were dealing with. But the book was addressed to those people in those circumstances to let them know that God was aware of what was going on. And in the end, God would make it all right. Uh, somebody has suggested, and I think it's a really good way to look at the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation denotes a, a, a real struggle between good and evil. And the the outcome of that is 
God wins. Uh, you want a two-word summary of the book of Revelation? God wins. And if you want to be on the winning side, you be on God's side, because God's side is going to win. That's what the book of Revelation says. All right. Um, and uh, in the chat room, Dwight and Michelle say they were wondering when they would be vindicated of their persecution. That's right. Yeah. But they expected to be vindicated. Yeah. And that was the book is reinforcing that idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. All right. Um, Jim asked. Or Jim answered, sorry. The circumstances the saints of the seven churches were dealing with was extreme persecution. They were being forced to give in or be punished, even with death, Revelation 2, verse 10. They were being betrayed by some among them, as well as by those outside the church. Therefore, the book is designed to give them courage in letting them know that God is in control. He will avenge his saints. The Lord Jesus Christ has already overcome the evil one, and those who serve him will receive a crown of life. So we must have faith and hold on and continue to obey him, even in the face of persecution. Like I said, exactly right. We we referenced Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, uh, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. And I think many times we envision that meaning be faithful until you just sort of fade away in a nursing home somewhere. Uh, That's not what Jesus was telling him. Be faithful if you have to get your head chopped off. the point of... If they're going to burn you at the stake, you're going to be faithful. So it it was much more intense than we give it it credit. Uh, Kent says the circumstances that those Christians faced was connected to that of persecution. They had already endured persecution from the unbelieving Jews. The Apostle John was preparing them to face persecution from pagan Rome. The overall message of this great book was that of victory. In spite of opposition from the enemies of Christ, Christians can and must remain faithful. God's justice will ultimately prevail. Jerusalem along with all of Israel, was about to be destroyed as a nation, and pagan Rome would ultimately fall. This gave assurance to Christians of God's justice and the eternal reward that they could attain. Exactly right, Kent. I think you're exactly on the mark there with those comments. Uh, And so, again, trying to get the picture now, is Revelation talking about our time? Well, it wasn't wasn't initially addressed to us. Now, we're going to talk later. I mean, is, is there anything for us to be to gain from the book since it wasn't addressed to us. And we're going to say, yes, there is obviously things to be gained by studying the book of Revelation. But remember, it wasn't addressed to 20th, 21st century Christians. uh, And it was addressed to people who were actually in a considerably different circumstance than we are in this, this book. If you don't understand that, you're not going to understand the book to whom was it written. And what were they dealing with? Well, very critical, simple points to understand. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we've got a few more minutes. So we have time. Uh, book of Victory, if we're faithful, Dwight and Michelle say. Absolutely. Thank you for that. We've got time for your comments. Uh, call us, email us, send us a message in the chat room tonight. Okay. So let's start. We've got just a minute or two. Let's start into the third question we asked. What does the book of Revelation identify as the time frame of events under consideration? Well, this is very important. This is, I think, absolutely critical. Uh, interestingly, in chapter 1, so let's early in the book, chapter 1, verse 19, John was told, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So, no, so John was told, write about some things, apparently... In recent history, because he had seen them himself, write the things that you have seen, the things which are presently happening, and the things which shall be hereafter. Okay. 
So the big question is how 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 late how much later? He said John was told to write about some things that are going to happen in the hereafter after after right now. Notice he was told to write about some future things. The big question, of course, is how far off in the future? But we're not left to wonder. Because of really, really, and I, I know most of our listeners are aware of this point, but it, it cannot be overemphasized. A really, really important verse in the study of Revelation is the first verse of the book. Chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. So, the first verse of the book says it's about some things that were going to happen shortly. Verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So at the, at the very start of the book, things which must shortly come to pass, the time is at hand. And then chapter 22, verse 10, the last chapter, near the very end of the book. He said to me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. So I don't know how we come away with any answer other than the time frame under consideration was near term. It was describing some things that hadn't happened yet. It was making some prophetic predictions about future things that were going to happen. But how far out in the future? Not very far. They would shortly come to pass. The time for the fulfillment of these things was at hand. Yeah. It wasn't written to folks saying, you know, don't worry about this. You're never going to see. You're not even anywhere close to seeing this. No, this the time is at hand. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting. In, in the Old Testament book of Daniel, Daniel made some prophecies about some things that were several hundred years off in the future. And Daniel was told, seal these things up. The time is not yet. Yeah. Daniel was told to seal up his prophecy because they wouldn't be fulfilled for for a few hundred years still. But John was told, don't seal up these prophecies because the time is at hand. So, again, in answer to the question, what's the time frame under consideration? I think the answer to that is real clear. You know, everybody's got the idea that the book of Revelation, oh, man, that is that is just so confusing and complex and difficult. I don't I just can't make heads nor tails out of the book of Revelation. Well, there's some really hard parts of the book of Revelation, but I can understand that. The time is at hand. Yeah. yeah. So and it must shortly come to pass. Now, the the framework that you're building here, the foundation you're building, where it all works together. The audience was those first century Christians going through very difficult times. Well, it only makes sense then that the time frame would be very near future. If I'm If I'm a first century Christian going through difficult times, why do I care to hear about things happening in 2021. I don't. I need to hear about things happening in my lifetime that I'm dealing with, and that's what the book is addressing. Yeah. It all works together here. Yeah. And if you if you take something out and say, no, this was written to Americans and to 21st century, doesn't fit what the book says. Right. It doesn't fit. You've got to make it fit with what the book says. These are clear and easy to understand things. We're not talking about binding the devil with a chain and throwing him in the bottomless pit, what all that means. We're talking about things that are very clear to understand, first century Christians in difficult times, things that were shortly to take place. Yeah. Again, and and that's not, and you don't have to have a doctorate degree in biblical interpretation 
to, to take those points away. They, they're very easy to take out of the book and understand. All right. Brian in California says, what does signify mean? Is it referring to the signs employed and the apocalyptic language yeah, yeah. that's used? Well, Brian, yeah. you're going to take us to a break with that one. We'll yeah, get that we're going to talk side. about that when we get back. That's our next point, Brian. Hang Good. on to that. All right. Uh, we can take your call during the break at 931-381-4567. We can take your email and your chat. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Our bullet point this week comes from the pen of Bill Hall. Elijah was a man who reached true greatness in the Lord's service. He was always ready to go where God would send him, to pray whenever prayer was needed, and to confront evil whenever confrontation was necessary. He was translated without seeing death, and he, along with Moses, was chosen to appear with the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration. The remarkable thing about Elijah is that he attained this greatness while living in a wicked and hostile environment. Had he lived in Judah during the righteous reign of Hezekiah or Josiah, we might not be surprised at Elijah's attainments. But he lived instead in Israel during the wicked reign of Ahab. He was subjected to the cruel intents of Jezebel. He was under constant harassment and threat of death. He became so discouraged at one point that he asked to die, but he never denied his God. In this wicked environment, Elijah was able to influence others. The widow Zarephath was blessed through Elijah. The multitudes on Mount Carmel were led to cry, The Lord, He is God, through His courageous efforts. Elisha, his successor, must have been greatly influenced by him as well. And even Ahab was brought to humility on one occasion, clothing himself in sackcloth as a result of Elijah's rebuke. The message of Elijah is clear. You can live a godly life and influence others for good in a wicked and hostile environment. When one hears the excuses people make today, it is obvious that Elijah's message is badly needed in this generation. People excuse their failure to teach others the gospel by saying, quote, people are so prejudiced around here, they just wouldn't listen. When the fact of the matter is, little effort has even been made. If they are approached about their ungodly conduct, they explain that, quote, you just don't know how terrible the people are that I have to work around every day. If their children go astray, the explanation is, quote, our children are faced with pressures that we didn't have growing up. Such statements, repeated often enough, become to many a license to do wrong and to salve and soothe their troubled consciences. We must throw aside our excuses and make up our minds to do right. Elijah could serve God in wicked surroundings, and so can we. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. Check out some YouTube videos that Kyle is putting together there. Constantly. Uh, constantly putting together. Uh, and... Uh, Looking good, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. A lot of good stuff on there. Yeah, go check it out. And that uh, College View live stream. All right. And can I subscribe to that channel? Yeah, of course. Okay, all right. Yeah, and get notifications. I can get notifications, too. Yeah, there's, yeah. You got it all. You can get some, all, or none. So, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, we're talking about the book of Revelation tonight. Yeah. And, um, and what it means. A lot of, there's a lot, you, you're probably hearing it. Uh, Kyle, you hear anybody say, you know, even in the workplace, you know, I think the end's near. I think these are the end times. Uh, well, uh, is that uh, uh, an accurate representation of what's taught in the book of Revelation? We're going to go to the phone. We'll go ahead. Right, well, let me get these emails real quick okay. to our question okay. about uh, 
the question was, does the book of Revelation identify a time frame? And it does. Jim says the events which are recorded by John are spoken of him as, quote, things which must shortly come to pass, chapter 1, verse 1. So the time frame seems to have been within their lifetime. One would think that if God is all-powerful and his word is true, he never lies and his word never fails, then what he promised will be done, and thus what he promised to do, he fulfills. The prophecies made by God always come true in the time that he designs. And Kent says... In consideration of both external and internal evidences, the book of Revelation appears to have been written during the time frame of an early date. When a timeline is established regarding the development of the New Testament canon, it is reasonable to conclude that the Revelation was written between A.D. 64 and 68. Concerning the prophecies of the Revelation, most of them have already been fulfilled in the destruction of Jerusalem and the fall of Rome. The only prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled is the final judgment and the assignment of all individuals to their final roles in eternity, whether it be that of reward or punishment. I agree completely with Kent on that. I know that there there are two interpretations of the book of Revelation, that it was written before the fall and destruction of Jerusalem, written sometime in the 60s. The other interpretation is usually called the late date, written sometimes in the 90s. I, I don't think that the what position you take on that is critical to the general understanding of the book of Revelation. I agree with Kent. I think it was written in the 60s. I think it was talking about the fall of Jerusalem and the subsequent fall of Rome. Basically, I think the prophecies were that God was going to bring judgment upon Jerusalem and the Jews for for the ultimate rejection of Jesus. He was going to use Rome to accomplish that punishment. And then he goes on to say, and Rome is going to get theirs too. That's the way I, I mean, if you want to just, if you want to have me tell you what I think the book means. Uh, if, if you take the late date, Jerusalem has already been destroyed. And so it's primarily a judgment pronounced against Rome and not, and doesn't include a judgment against Jerusalem. Either way, the point is still clear. It was things must shortly come to pass. All right. Let's go to the phone, and uh, we'll welcome Grant uh, to the virtual Bible study tonight. Grant's normally listening to us in Franklin, as Grant and Jamie in the chat room, but he's Grant in Colorado tonight. Grant, welcome to the program. So I, I, I would have typed this um, on, online, but for some reason I don't have the thing that I can type it. But so, so I would I would take a different approach to this, and this this could be a long discussion, but I'll just tell you. I, when I when I read the book when I when I when I read chapter one verse three, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it. I think that, that applies to everybody that reads it. They read it in the first century. They, we read it today. It applies to everybody. It was written to the seven churches, so so I believe it's applicable to all of us. Uh, throughout the ages, and that there's general principles. The, yeah, the, pr- are, the principles certainly do apply. Yeah, I want to talk about used- that, Grant. And uh, at, at the, uh, the last question I ask is, uh, uh, is there any benefit to studying the book of Revelation today? Is there any message in it for us? And I think the answer is yes. It's certainly an important message from God. Uh, and yes. we're not downplaying that at all. I think that I think there's a message there for us and a and a great blessing and benefit that we gain by understanding the book of Revelation. But it was a, initially addressed to the seven churches of Asia, and therefore our understanding of the book has to be has to be 
necessarily attuned to what what was that audience and and what was the message to that audience? Well, my other point would be that when it says for the time is near, and then as you study the book, whether. I can't hear you. Yeah, you, know, we're, 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 maybe you may have a, if you've got us on on your computer, Grant, there's a delay there that may be throwing you off. Oh, okay. And when you study the book, you also have to recognize that the, that the last day is actually mentioned in this book several times. So when it says the time the time is near, when I think of it, that's including the last day. I think. But anyway, those those are just some comments yeah. I I made. Uh, Great. But, we appreciate it, Grant. Thanks so much. Thanks for calling yep. in. You're welcome. Uh, bye-bye. I, I do, I do uh, think it's important to make the point that Grant was making right there, that I do believe, especially in the last couple of chapters of Revelation, and, and Kent mentioned this in his answer as well, I, I do believe that the book mentions the the end of time and final judgment uh, uh, uh did you remember what kent said here the only prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled is the final judgment and the assignment of all individuals to their final roles in eternity whether it be that of reward or punishment and i agree with kent about that so uh, I, I i try to state that caveat i think the book is primarily talking about what it says it's talking about things which must shortly come to pass but without doubt, toward the end of the book especially, it definitely does talk about the end of time, the final judgment, and the assignment of people to heaven or hell. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, yeah, appreciate that call, Grant. And uh, the phone line's open now, 931-381-4567. All right. Um, you've got uh, another point for us here. The, uh, the next question we ask is, how would you describe the style of writing found in this book. Yeah, that's what Brian asked. What does the word signify mean? Well, he's getting you to the point here. Yeah. So I don't think you have to be a deep Bible scholar to look at the book of Revelation and say, hey, that's different. That's considerably different than most all the other books in the Bible. It's way different than anything else that you read about in the New Testament. So it's definitely a different style of writing. Uh, But again, we should not be terribly surprised by that because, again, I said the first verse of the book is so very important. The first verse of the book tips us off to be on the lookout for this. Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. The word signified, and that's what Brian asked about in the chat room, the word signify. I think it, I th- he says, does it refer to signs employed and the apocalyptic language used? And I think yes. I think the answer is yes. Uh, spoken in signs, signified. And so we, uh, we ought to be, as we study the book of Revelation, we ought to be very much on the lookout for figurative or symbolic language. Uh, and that's not, that's not unusual. We use figurative language all the time. Jacob, if I told you while you were gone on vacation, it rained cats and dogs at our house. You weren't around. You weren't in Middle Tennessee when, but I mean, it rained cats and dogs. You would not imagine that I meant cats and dogs fell out of the sky. Right. You would know that I meant it rained and really rained hard. Right. That's symbolic language, 
And the reason we use it is to emphasize. We use symbolic language for emphasis. And that's what we find in the book of Revelation, symbolic language used for emphasis. And so, again, remember, the book is describing the great battle between good and evil. Uh, and it's it's going to tell us who wins that great battle. God wins. But it's going to use symbolic language to emphasize the scope and extent of this great battle that's going on uh, between good and evil. All right. Uh, symbolic language. Absolutely. Uh, that's what uh, Kent says. The style of the book of Revelation is apocalyptic in nature, depicting judgment upon the enemies of Christ and reward for faithful Christians. There are interpretive precautions that must be taken to properly understand this New Testament book. Number one, we must study this inspired literature with reference to its proper time element. When individuals interpret the book, basic thrust of this material as being exclusively futuristic, they miss the important message of that which was communicated. Certainly the final judgment and the assignment of one's final abode in eternity is future to this moment of time. However, the basic message of most of this book is historical, not futuristic. Revelation 22, verse 10. Number two, another crucial point to remember in a proper interpretation of this book is that of figurative or symbolic language. Revelation 1, verse 1. Symbols do not signify themselves. They represent other concepts. When individuals place a literal interpretation upon symbolic language, they end up drawing false conclusions as to what is being communicated. Exactly right, Kent. Exactly right. All right. Uh, here's what Jim said. I would describe the style of writing as both poetic and prophetic. It takes on a similar style to that of Old Testament prophets in that it includes visions as well as prophecies and behind-the-scene revelations. The interpretive precautions are to realize that it is po- that if it is poetic and also deals with visions and images, then it cannot be taken literally or like or like our like our Lord's parables. Images are substituted for real things, and only the Lord Himself can reveal what the real is. We are left with a parable, and until He reveals what it means, we are not to impose our own ideas or suggestions. Interesting. I think that's well said, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Uh, let's grab our last break. When we get back, I want to show a couple examples of what happens when you try to force a literal interpretation on a figurative statement. Because that's, that's, that's what's happening by and large here. The, many of the people who are trying to make modern day applications of what's found in the book of Revelation is that they're missing, they're misinterpreting the symbolic things that are stated. Dwight Michelle say to signify, to make known. Brian says, I think you're right, Make man, made manifest, but maybe in less than literal right, ways. Right, right, right. And Dwight and Michelle say the style is figurative type of writing, I believe, and so good. All right, we'll get to our last break. When we go to the top of the hour, more discussion. What about you? Give us a call, 931-381-4567. We're back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. 
It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Half of Americans, that's 52%, agree that Jesus was a great teacher but say that he was not God. Three out of five Americans, 59%, agree that the Holy Spirit is a force but is not a personal being. One out of five, that's 19%, say the Holy Spirit can tell them to do something that is forbidden in the Bible. Two-thirds of U.S. adults, 64%, say God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. That information is via LifeWay Research. The Word of God says in Mark 8, verse 18, Having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not, and do you not remember? We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program. Go to the top of the hour talking about the book of Revelation. And uh, we're ready to take your call, 931-381-4567. So we, we were just saying this is a, a highly symbolic book written figurative language symbols and signs and so forth certain things used to represent other things there's a there's a significance placed upon numbers and and maybe the symbolic meaning of numbers colors the symbolic meaning of colors all of that symbolic language is used for emphasis it's the same way we use symbolic language in our day-to-day conversations but it there's always a problem If you try to take a statement that was meant to be figurative or symbolic and you try to force a literal interpretation on it, you're going to get all messed up. And sadly, a lot of religious groups have. Our Jehovah's Witness friends, for instance, they are famous for their belief that only 144,000 people are going to go to heaven. Well, that's what it says. And that the rest of the righteous will inherit the earth, but only 144,000 are going to go to heaven. Where did they ever get that? Well, they got it out of the book of Revelation. That's what it says. It's the only place where it's mentioned. Revelation chapter 7, verse 4. I heard the number of them which were sealed and were sealed at 140 and 4,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. So on it goes. Mm-hmm. So next time you're, ask, you're studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses, ask them if they believe that all of the 144,000 will be literal, physical Jews. Now, their answer to that, I know because I've asked them, their answer to that is going to be no, they don't believe that. And so they are, they are caught in the predicament of they want that number to be literal, but they want the description of the number to be figurative. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, you can't have it both ways. It, 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 either he is or is not. I believe it's all symbolic. The number 144,000 is a symbolic number. 144. 12 times 12,000. 12 is a, letter, a number of fullness. 12 times 12 times 1,000. Ultimate fullness. Everybody that's supposed to be there will be there. I really think it's describing all the faithful who lived before Christ, actually, in that context. It's mentioned again in chapter 14, the number 144,000 mentioned again in chapter 14. 
chapter 14, verse 3. They sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. Oh, there's that number again. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Next time you're studying with Jehovah's Witnesses, ask them if they believe that every one of the 144,000 will be a male, a male virgin. They're going to say no. Well, which is it? Is the number literal or not? If it's a literal number, wouldn't the description of it also be literal? The point is it's all figurative and never was intended to be taken literally. They've built a whole theory on the mistaken interpretation of forcing a literal interpretation on a figurative expression. How much time we got? got, Let me give you one more example of of something that happens in our time that's that's based upon a a forced misunderstanding of figurative language in Revelation. Chapter 20. In chapter 20, verse 1, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped uh, and had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's the only place in all the New Testament that talks about a thousand-year reign of Christ. But we got almost all of our religious uh, friends believing in the theory of premillennialism, that Jesus is going to set up an earthly throne and reign for a thousand years. The only place a thousand year reign is mentioned is right there in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. But look at the context. Verse 1, there was a bottomless pit. Well, wait a minute. Could there ever literally be a bottomless pit? You could you could dig a real deep hole, but any hole, any literal hole you dig is going to have a bottom in it. You can't dig a hole without a bottom in it. That's got to be figurative, right? And then he talks about a chain that was going to be used to bind Satan. Could that be a literal chain? You can't bind Satan with a literal chain. Satan's a spirit being. That's got to be figurative, right? Uh, and, and so what about the thousand years then? So in, in a context, my, my point is, and we could talk a lot more about this, but my point is in a context that just screams out that it's figurative, People want to latch on to the thousand years and say it's literal. Well, when you're studying with the premillennialist next time, ask them if the only people who are going to reign with Christ during the thousand years are martyrs, but not just any martyr. It's not If you were crucified, if you were burned at the stake, none of that counts. The only ones who are going to reign with Jesus during the thousand years, verse 4, the souls of them that were beheaded, for the witness of Jesus. They lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, ask your premillennialist friend, do you believe the only people going to reign with Jesus in a thousand years are beheaded martyrs for Christ? They're going to say no. And again, they got the same problem. They're trying to force a literal interpretation on the thousand years. And then they, they, they want to say that in the immediate same verse and paragraph, everything else mentioned there is symbolic. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. And one other point to talk about as we look at interpretive precautions, this book 
cannot stand on its own. It must harmonize with everything else in the Bible. And so with respect to the conspiracy theories and the idea that what we're seeing into the world today is a sign that the end is near, that has to harmonize with what we're reading in every other part of the Bible in First Peter, or sorry, Second Peter, chapter three, verse ten. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. No warning. No warning. So if you're going to look at the book of Revelation and say, I think what's happening today is what is talked about in Revelation, and that's a sign that the end is near, you got the wrong interpretation because you forced a contradiction with other parts of the Bible that are very clear and easy to understand. Exactly right. Real quickly, our last question, and Grant was asking about this, too, and I think this is a really important point to make. Is there any benefit to study the book of Revelation? If it was written to those first century Christians dealing with their particular circumstances, not our circumstances, not addressed to us, why don't we just cut that out and throw it away because it causes a lot of confusion. Anyway, Why don't we throw that away? No, that'd be a big mistake. The book of Revelation is part of God's inspired word to us, and there is an advantage to studying it. There's a message for us. Let me suggest a verse that shows how applicable this could be to us. Chapter 14, verse 9. The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive the mark in his forehead or in his hand. Now stop there for a minute. Don't get all wound up about this beast business and the mark of the beast in the forehead or in the hand. The beast were the agents that Satan was using to persecute Christians. In the book of Revelation, that's what the beasts were. There was a land beast and a sea beast, uh, probably representative of both religious persecution and political persecution. But the beasts were the agents that Satan was using to persecute the saints. Now, if you get the mark of the beast in your forehead or in your hand, that would indicate that you have lined up with the opponents of God's people, that you're on the side of those who are persecuting rather than on the side of God. You don't want to be in that situation. The, if, you're on, if you receive the mark of the beast in your forehead or your hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy uh, angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark in his, of his name. You get on the wrong side of this business, and you're going to be punished eternally. That's a message I can take away from this. Keep reading. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead. Uh, which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. If I'm on God's side, I'm going to I'm going to be eternally rewarded for being on His side in this great eternal conflict between good and evil. Yeah. Uh, so, is there a message? Yeah. The mess. The takeaway message for us is be on the right side here. God's going to win this great struggle. You make sure you're on the right side because if you're not. You're going, to, you're going to pay eternally. Very for it. encouraging book. Very encouraging book. We've got to keep it in its context and uh, and understand it the right way. But very encouraging. Dwight and Michelle said this book reminds me of war between good and evil. And when all is said and done, good wins and evil loses. Exactly right. Exactly right, Dwight. Um, yeah. Kent says there is a, a definitive benefit in the study of the book of Revelation. Number one, one can ascertain God's scheme of redemption at work in past historical events, especially as it relates to individual Christians and collectively to the New Testament church. 
Number two, one can have a panoramic view of the ultimate destiny of humanity. Number three, one can note the ultimate victory for faithful Christians and the vindication of God's ultimate plan to redeem humanity. Exactly. And Jim says, yes, there is great benefit. It reveals the going-ons of heaven, chapters 4 and 5. It reminds us that God is in control all of the time, or is in control of all time, and that our Lord is fighting for us, that the faithful have an advocate in Christ Jesus, the righteous, the Lion of Judah, that God knows what is happening in the lives of his saints, that the evil ones never win, and that as saints today, we too must hold on until the end. The crown of life is not given until we have passed over into the promised land. The message then is the same message today. Remain faithful to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the message for every generation. I think exactly right, Jim. Exactly right. Okay. And that brings us to the end of our time uh, for the program tonight. Yeah. I think it's an important study, and I do think that people, you know, it's, it, it, it is a more challenging book, but some people are... Uh, some people are afraid to even talk about it. Some people are afraid to read it or discuss it. Other people want to take it and run to extremes with it. I think it's I think it's manageable if we just approach it logically. Got to remember the foundation and keep everything within those parameters. Don't go chasing rabbits, but keep it in those parameters, and we can take great mess, great encouragement from the book. Yeah, Kyle, thoughts from you tonight? It is very encouraging because you know it, it does tell us that God will comfort his people in time of, you know, in, in, uh, tribulation, in time of uh, a lot of stresses in the world. So God will comfort his people. So I think it's it may not be completely directed towards us, but we can take comfort that God is... Uh, God's in control. Yeah, he is. Yeah. We, take, we learn lessons from things that other people have had to endure, and yeah. we can gain encouragement from that. And we definitely gain encouragement from the first century Christians. Yeah. And will there be similar trials in our lives? Absolutely. Are we going to have to go through difficult times? Certainly. And we can learn from their experiences. Yeah, I think you're right. right. All right. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you, Kyle. Yep. Thank you for being here on the other end of the line tonight. Uh, if you've got a question or comment at any time, question at co- questions at collegeu.com is the email address to use. Hope you've benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word on the program tonight. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.